to see and learn what made them who they were at that point, how they could and how they should gain hope as a people based on how God acted then. As gospel artist Ty Trivett's, Trivett's anthem declares, if he did it before, he can do it again. I would say this, if he was that way then, then God is now and always. Now, that's not as catchy, but the lesson was clear for them. God was with Joseph, an ancestor of the faith. Therefore, God is with you. That they and now you and I who belong to the God of the Bible and who will, hopefully some of you, belong to the God of the Bible, can be assured of this. The Lord God is with you. How is he with you? There's a number of ways, but in this story we see that God is with you in and for your prosperity. That God is with you in a fallen world and God is with you for your redemption. With you in and for your prosperity, with you in this fallen world, and with you for your redemption. Well, picking up from last week, Joseph has been sold into slavery by his jealous and angry brothers who have taken his coat that, that his father Jacob has given him, the coat of many colors. They've dipped it in goat's blood and taken it to him and said, I believe your favorite son has been eaten by wild animals. So this is the story. But the Bible tells us that Jacob actually was sold off to an Egyptian captain of the guard eventually by the name of Potiphar. And that this is what happened. Look back at verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of the Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Here is what's clear. The Lord was with Joseph, and it was the Lord's presence and power with him that made him succeed. God was with Joseph in and for his prosperity. God made what Joseph did prosper. Now, let me tell you something. Let me make something clear here. It does not say that Joseph was extra special, omnicompetent, super smart, strong, or excellent. It says that whatever Joseph did, however he did it, God caused that to prosper. We have to be careful here because sometimes us overconfident Americans like to come to things and say, I know we need to be like Joseph to be successful. But this is not about being an excellent person or being smart, or going to the right school, or coming from the right background, or having the right friends, or living in the right neighborhood, or having the right kind of manners, or having the right skin color. I mean, truth be told, no group of people on paper were more advanced and genius at that time than the Egyptians. Joseph was nothing more than a Jewish sheep farmer, a 
farm boy. Jews were no match on the SAT, ACT, or ASVAB compared to the most advanced nation on the earth at that time, the Egyptians. He wasn't special. The Bible simply says that God was with him and caused this field-bred, corn-fed, sheep-herding, slave stuff to succeed. In fact, even his non-god of the Bible-worshipping master, Potiphar, obviously highly educated, think West Point, think Annapolis, think Air Force Academy grad, top of his class kind of leader, even he was impressed. Like, how in the world could this uneducated... Sheep herder caused all that he did to cause my house to be blessed. Not because Jesus, not because Joseph was so great and genius, but because he brought the big Bible to work and opened it up at break time. It doesn't say that he was impressed by Joseph's smarts or brains or management skills. Verse 3 says he saw the Lord was with him because obviously his hands were like magic, right? Every like what, what was happening through him came from somewhere else. Verse 5's language conveys, Joseph was simply blessed by God. Again, this was not about Joseph and how much money he could make. Let's get that out of the way. Or how many superpowers he could wield. This was all about God causing him to prosper so that Joseph could be in the right place for God's purposes and plans through him. Look again at verse 2. Let's read it. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. It does not say God prospered him so he could finally get what he wanted, that he could finally reach his destiny. Y'all hear that in, in sermons on TV all the time. You hear this all the time in advertising. So he could finally reach his dream, right? Get his dream, right? Or get the job he wanted, or finally drive the car he wanted, or even to make him happy, or, or to just to make him prosperous for prosperity's sake. No, that is that fake prosperity gospel lie stuff that confuses us American Christians. Get over it. It's not biblical. Gospel prosperity is about getting what you want, getting in the house you want, getting in the car you want, having the savings you want, having the bank account you want. That is Americanized, idolistic Christianity, and God rejects that. But apparently, God caused him to prosper in that particular situation so that he would be in Potiphar's house. God wanted him there in that place. It is clear that God prospered him to put him and keep him in that place at that time for his plan and purpose through Joseph for God's glory in some way that may not have been completely clear to Joseph or Potiphar, but clear at this point to the readers of this history and this story. In hindsight. So like the Israelites... I think some of us, most of us, need a hindsight correction of our lives. You have been, are, and will be made to work and be and do where you are, how you are, in the place and places the way you are, only because if you're a believer and you can know this for sure, because God is with you, was with you, will be with you, to put you there for his plans 
and purposes. And it was and never will be about how much you make or how great you are or whether you're the head of this or that in your vocation, in your place, in what you've been able to prosper in. Don't measure prosperity again according to money or worldly comparisons or even how qualified you are. If God is with you, his people, then there is only one plot. God prospers you as far as he has and in the way he has because he has his plan for your life. This changes the definition of prosperity, doesn't it? Prosperity, hear me carefully, is being where God wants you for his will, period. Which can be difficult because you don't always know why God has you where he has you. But here's the thing. Prosperity is knowing and believing God is with you regardless of where you are. Prosperity is recognizing that God put you there and gave you what you needed and made work through what you shouldn't have even, what shouldn't have even worked, but was blessed so you could be where he has. Let me go as far as to say this. Unemployed, looking for a job right now, is the place that God has a plan, his plan, as bad as it may feel and, and as counter as it may sound at this point, God is with you. We'll get to some of the hardship of living in this world. But you are standing in a place of gospel prosperity right now and will and purpose if he is with you. Now, we'll get back again to some of that lifting you out of the downs and drags of hard times. But wherever you are, God is with you. And if God is with you, his prosperity put you in a place for his plans, man, that's a lot of peace, is always true for you. Now, that may not always be a nice place that God has you. Nice, right? Free of sin, free of issue, free of problems. Look back at verse 2 again. We're going to read it again because there's a different angle to this we need to see. Verse 2 says, The Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. When it says... He was in his master's, not just any master, right? But his Egyptian master's house. Those reading it could be like, oh, go on, man. You, you making it, dog. You, you, you hit the big time. You in the Egyptian master's house. Like we say when we see people get a good job or, or, or get to be moved up to a higher floor or to a corner office. And the prosperous thing is happening. He moving on up. Yes, Joseph, our man. But knowing Egyptians as their enslavers, these Israelites would read this not as, oh, but uh-oh, right? Because when you get Israelites and Egyptians together in history, there is going to be some mess for the Jew. And to make matters worse, Joseph is not in the field. He is in the house with all those Egyptian high-end ungodly pleasures for that house, not house Negro, but Jew-gro, I call them. I'm kind of get your mind in the right setting for you Southerners. And for some of you Northerners who have come here and watched 12 Years a Slave and Roots and all that, I hope you get the point here. The temptations to sell out. Is the H-J-I-C, had you in charge, or mess up, or go all Egyptian, is right there. 
Not only the temptations, but the potential to mess up and fail in a way that breaks you or will cause you to get killed. Is that much harder being in this position? It was a long way, an easy way down. There's no HR review for the Jewish house slave. Well, as expected, the worst thing for a slave in the house happens, right? The worst thing. Again, for you Southerners who are in touch with your slave history, I was educated in South Carolina. We had a lot of this. My dad's a tour guide. I, I, you know, we're in touch with this kind of thinking. You might can steal his stuff and be okay and burn the dinner and get a whipping. But messing with the master's wife? Or, or, the, or, get this, or the master's wife taking a liking to you? And messing with a slave is bound to get somebody killed. In fact, back in Bible times, many male house slaves were castrated so they would not be tempted or able to follow through with the greatest temptation, messing around and getting caught up with not the flower of the south, but the flower of the Nile in this case. Look at what the Bible says here in verse 6 through 9. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because he had no concern about anything, because of him, rather, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and after a time his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. He was already in trouble right there, y'all. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. He has put everything that he has in my charge. He's not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? How did BBD put it? That girl's poison, right? Okay, I'm old. It's too old. That's too old for you, young people. Like Iggy Azalea says, she's a black widow. She's going to love you until you hate her, right? Well, the Bible's telling us that Joseph was not only prosperous, but that simply put, that brother looked good, right? Going off some of Hollywood's cues, because I'll never be the person getting in trouble looking at some dude's pics on Google, but he was... How did salt and pepper put it back in the day? He had the body like Arnold with the Denzel face, right? Old again, okay. He looked like to her Idris Alba and the guy from Thor, that Helmsworth dude with that Captain America Wolverine with their shirt off kind of look, vibe, and swag. <laughs> My wife's just used to that kind of man. So, she just used. Sometimes you just got the full package. Sometimes you like Joseph and it's okay, you know? But understand this that sleeping with Potiphar's wife would not just be a good feeling for a moment thing. This was about Joseph taking his power to a level he wasn't supposed to. He would be saying to Potiphar, I'm not just helping you do what you need to do, get done, but I am you, right? I, I am taking your full place up in this house while you are off at war. I am the new and improved version of you, Potiphar, because I got your house and all your stuff and your checkbook and your wife. 
but careful. This is less about what Joseph wants. He don't want her. This is about being in an Egyptian house where whether he wants her or not, because he's in this broken, messed up, ungodly place, he's going to feel and be treated badly and pursued for bad things. Thus the uh uh-oh, he's in Egyptian's house. There is going to be suffering and injustice and mistreatment and pursual to something bad. Potiphar's wife represents the best and most seductive and dangerous stuff about being in this world, about being on your job, in your position, in your profession, working from home, raising your kids, wherever that may be, even being at home unemployed right now and disabled right now. There was in that house, in her, and in this world, danger. In our fallen world, we live and have been placed in by God is no different. There is unhealthy, there's an unhealthy way to overwork, to steal, to embezzle, to enter into an affair, to recreate uh, on someone else's dime when you should be, recreate rather, on someone else's dime when you should be working. It's tempting to not come home when you should or hate your position in an ungrateful kind of way. There's temptation to get greedy and be jealous and want more than what God has for you right now and even sulk and give up and become lazy and apathetic in what God is calling you to. It is tempting to, as Joseph makes clear, the pot for his wife in verse 9, be wicked and sin against God. But there's also something else going here, going on here, more than Joseph's temptation to sin. Look at verse 10. And she spoke to Joseph day after day. He would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day, when he went into the house to do his work, right? He he ain't messing around. He doing his work, minding his business. And none of the men of the house was there in the house. She caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, see, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment beside her until her husband comes home or his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, the Hebrew servant when you have, whom you have brought among us came in to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison and the the place where the king's prisoners were confined and he was there in prison. Joseph is being stalked by evil. He's being pursued by sin, just doing what he's supposed to do, just by being and doing what God's called him to do. You know what the book of Genesis says earlier? That sin is crouching at the door and wants to eat us, right? And then later in the Bible, the apostle Peter says that Satan, the devil, supernatural demon forces are seeking, looking around to devour you. And it says this, so be alert. 
Be sober and serious about this stuff. Be serious about living in this world. Jesus tells one of the disciples that Satan wants to sift him like wheat. Satan wants to take his insides out. The devil wants his worth taken away and leave him empty and feeling like trash. And let me tell you something. Sometimes, like in this situation, the Bible tells us that bad things will happen to God's people just from living in this world. That's what the Bible promises you. Now, that's one you can take home. It doesn't tell you what tax bracket you're going to be in. It doesn't tell you what kind of car you can name and claim and have. It doesn't tell you, you know, all these prosperity lies some of these preachers are telling you. It does tell you this. This world's going to have some hardship. Just by being you, Jesus told his disciples, that being in this place, yes, even with God, that you and I will suffer and be mistreated and misunderstood and have bad pasts and come from abuse and experience abuse and misuse, and that sin and Satan will use that to bring us down, to make us live like we believe God is not with us, to actually make us think, see, God, you put us here to be badgered and uncomfortable. I don't believe there's a God. Heck, God left you here, so just give in. So, so stop living so hard, holy and strong for him. He don't care about you. Look at your life. Look at all the things that messed up. Think about it and give in to your pain. Relieve yourself at God's expense. Welcome to your world. <laughs> Wake up. But the Bible tells us that Joseph says no to Potiphar's wife, and he runs away so hard that he leaves his robe and her desperate to get him hand. He doesn't want to sin against God. Why? For the same reason we're talking about, because God was with him, right? He doesn't want to sin because God put him where he was. He believed that. It was God's glory he was about, and there was no, hear this now, there was no situation or condition or issue or one of these, hey man, you just got to understand, kind of situations, that it would ever be okay to sin all up in with, with God, with him, and God's good favor and love and presence. God's with you. There is no okay, right situation to sin against him. It's a hard world. It's a tempting world. Stuff is grabbing at you. Not just you walking in the wrong place, but the wrong stuff walking up to you. Even in that situation, God is still with you, and so there is no freedom to sin against the God that is with you. The Bible tells us that though he tried to plead with her that this would be evil against his master to sleep with her, that ultimately he says, this is something I refuse to do because it is sin against my God who is with me. I don't want to sound like Forrest Gump's Jenny, but run. God's people run and keep running from sin and for God. Leave it all behind if you have to. Like Joseph did his robe, which would have been a sign that he was no, that he was no regular naked field slave. This, this robe said something. He leaving this robe would have meant leaving the favor of this world and his prominent position. It meant leaving all the prosperity and pleasure and wealth and claim to fame and power behind. 
people of God, keep running in the things of God. Keep coming to get God's grace at all costs in prayer and worship and fellowship. Run in the ways of God. As you run away, get away from whatever it is. If, you, if it will mean you will sin against God, don't you know if you are God's, God is all over you. You are holy. He is with you. And sometimes because of that, the world and the devil will want to destroy you. Sin is crouching at the door. So don't open it. Hurry up and close it if it's open. Satan is like a lion in the bushes. Don't relax and get all happy and drunk. This ain't no safari or game. This is life with God we are talking about in a broken world. You know, the hardest thing to do, though, is run. To live on alert, right? You just want things to be okay. You just want to kind of close your eyes. You, you finally want things to not be so God-edged out, right? You want to pretend that you finally arrived and things are okay in this world, that heaven is now, or that you and I figured out to have a grasp on things. We're sophisticated enough to go anywhere, watch anything, hang out with anyone, work any kind of way, be as ambitious and money-grabbing as we want, and it doesn't work that way. Keep running in the way of God. Don't stop trusting him and run away. Stop. Leave that relationship. Leave that lifestyle. Leave that recreation. Run from, from that too much free time in front of the computer. Run from those gossiping, bragging about what they have conversations. Turn off the television show, right? Run away from the abusive relationship. Run away from the condemnation of things you have been forgiven of and from that the world continues to lie to you about. I say all this stuff about running. And as I hear it myself, I'm thinking, yeah, right. I'm kind of comfortable right now. I'm kind of managing my sin right now. And if I run, Pastor Brown, where am I going to run to? Easier said than done. Sin in this world seems to hold all the pleasures. You know the best place to be? I think for some of us in our minds, like a good balance, right? Of, you know, we good Christians, we come to church, we do the right things, we long to do the right things, but you know, we're gonna have a little bit of something on the side. It's okay, because we're not there yet. We're being sanctified. And I'm not throwing grace out. You're not hearing me throw grace out. I'm bringing grace in, right? Because somehow I think we think we're okay with kind of being a little half-holy. And I'm not saying that I believe in sinless perfection on earth, but I am saying this kind of disposition of relaxing in a lifestyle in a way that is unholy, it's not right, and it's dangerous for you. Run with God run for him. But where are you running to? I promise you this, which is hard. Like Job's position and robe, you will and may lose something and even suffer when you run in the way of God and away from sin and confess your struggle and temptations that would make you not trust God. When you say no and run from sin and temptations, it may mean possibly the end of your earnings. You're feeling not so lonely, Right? Your pleasure, your boyfriend, your relief, your comfort, your society, your friends, your position that God gave you, the respect of your friends. Running like Joseph did, 
like did may put you back on the bottom in this world like you're starting all over and in your initial feelings of struggle. But it puts you somewhere else. Look how these sentences go together. Look with me at verse 20. And so, oh Lord, it, oh, I'm dog on Genesis 42. Okay. And Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, the place where the king's prisons were confined, and he was there in prison. Oh, yeah. But the Lord was with Joseph. Y'all hear that? And showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The coat he left behind might have meant a loss of position and the world's favor, but he stayed and ran into God's favor in the prison. The loss of his robe his boss gave him, just like the loss of his first robe his dad gave him, did not mean a loss of God's favor. Joseph could not and would not lose God's favor and prosperity regardless of what the world and sin tried to do to him. The love of this world will come and go, but the love and favor of God will remain. God is with us to redeem us from and in this world. When we run from God in this world, run for God in this world, and then run away from sin into the loving arms of God, it will not be great feeling all the time with all the circumstances, but it will be good. Like the prison Joseph found himself in, there may be hardship, but in that hardship, God is with you. In that new lonely place, in that uncertain struggle with your spouse, you will find that God is with you. In that new or low income, God and his kindness will be there. In the unknown place for those who run for him, from him, I mean for him and from sin and temptation, God will still be with you. The flesh and the world and the devil may punish you for not giving in and living for it, but God's love and redemption will be there to embrace us. Look with me at verse 22, 21. But God was with Joseph, showed him steadfast love, and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in prison. Whatever was done there, he, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. God was with Joseph in prison, which means God never left Joseph while he was in the grasp and other the lies and burdens of Potiphar's house. God redeemed him right where he was after the dust had settled, we could see it. I don't know where you might have ended up or will end up once you have wrestled, wrestled in and with this world. Some of us might be in a position we are because we did do wrong. Some of us are poor and not as popular and not as fit because we said no to sin, vanity, in the world. But yes, right there, God's Steadfast love, God's grace, God being with you, it will lift you up and out and in or to keep you alive and prosper according to the earlier explanation of prosperity. But most importantly, he is there for you not to lose faith, but to know that he is with you. Regardless of circumstance, regardless of your sin suffering, regardless of whether it was the sin of someone else who put you where you are in the dumps, God is with you to lift you out of that. 
Now, I'm not telling you that what you would lifted like sounds like a dollar sign and job level or revenge quotient specificity, but I can tell you that lifted means that you will and can see and know that you know with all certainty the steadfast love, kindness, and grace of God in your and any situation. That you can know and trust and believe experience that the Lord God is with you and never left you, never will forsake you, that from the outhouse to the penthouse and back again, God will keep you when you're down and go out and God alone will lift you back up. These last words where it says, and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Sounds just like verse 6, doesn't it? When he started, not only same Joseph, but same God, same faithfulness. Can you say redemption? God is the same place, doing the same things, with the same power, with the same love. Joseph in his life, in the face of sin and Satan, has been redeemed because God was always with and never not with him. As your Israelites read this story, they would know that unlike Joseph, they had become idol worshipers. Some of them like the metaphorical master's house. And in fact, after being freed from Egypt, they wanted to go back to be slaves when it got hard instead of running away and forward when things get tough. In fact, they would eventually be taking prisoners to Babylon and Assyria and Persia. Israel got caught up and entangled one way or another, but this story is still Joseph's story, right? And the result of his redemption was what they could hope for because even though they were sinners, the most important piece of this story is regardless, God was with them. Look, I don't know where you are. I don't know all your temptations, fears, and struggles but I know you have them. But like Joseph, God was with Jesus, our Joseph. And as we look back at his life, death, and resurrection, those who trust in the story of Jesus can be sure and know and live like God is with them too. You see, Jesus came as a suffering servant or slave in the house of this world and did not sin. He ran for God and for us and for that the world and sin persecuted and he suffered and was buried in an alien prison. But God was with him and God's power raised him from the grave and he rose and he is now with God, redeemed. And not only that, the redeemer over the flesh, sin in this world. And for those who believe in him, in his story, I don't care whether you're in the prison or in the highest place in this land. If you know him, like God was with him, God is sure to be with you. In Christ, and because of Christ, God is with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for not the story of Joseph only, but what the story of Joseph pointed to.